Hi everyone, my name is Amy Sinha and I'm a British Asian voiceover artist living amongst the beautiful hills of Wales in the UK. I help people communicate their vision with my voice. So, if you're looking to double, triple or even quadruple your audience engagement with your podcast, radio and TV commercial, website and social media videos or even a simple voicemail message, then please don't hesitate to get in touch with me at www.amysinha.com. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you. Your reasons for listening to this show, well, those are your own. But just keep in mind that the views, information, or opinions expressed on the Tuttle Daily Podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of our sponsors. Yeah, it's called free speech, people. Nobody's forcing you to listen. Get ready for your daily dose of Tuttle. Uh, the all-time greatest uh, intern slash producer we've ever had, of course, Tuttle. Tuttle in Florida. From the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp, it's the Tuttle Daily Podcast. No wonder nobody likes you, Tuttle. Everything's a goddamn debate. All right, guys, welcome back to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. This is an interview that I have been looking forward to for quite some time. I uh Slade, uh, I Slade Heathcott is on with me right now. Slate, did you ever do Bubba's show? Like the big I, show? Or did no, you- I was never good enough. You know, I you, just wasn't no, good enough. Motherfucker, because I tried when I was on Bubba's show, because I tried to tell him about your story. And it is so goddamn interesting. And I, I'm sorry about to say the GD. I know that uh, uh, you're a practice Christian right now. You found religion. We're all, uh, we're all humans. Yeah, I know. But you 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 have a very interesting story. Now, Slade, what do you got going on right now? What are you doing during this pandemic? Uh, or is there any projects? I know that you're a pilot right now. I want to get into that. But first, uh, any other things you want to plug or, or promote? Man, uh, pi- I, piloting uh, is still my passion. I'm a commercial instrument rated fixed wing pilot. Uh, but with everything that happened with COVID, it didn't make sense. And I've been, I've been in the nonprofit space since 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2019, I started an organization and have two other co-founders that ended up being on board. Uh, that's more than baseball. Uh, yeah. and in 2020, we raised about $1.25 million to help minor leaguers, uh, sent out nearly 2000 checks to, uh, grant applications and things of that nature. So and now we have we've grown from a player base of zero to three thousand current minor leaders. See that that is something that a lot of people do not realize. Okay, now what what is the average salary of a $8, minor? Eight thousand dollars. Eight thousand dollars is the average salary in two thousand. Wait for a year? Oh, wait, whoa, 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 whoa! Hold the phone. Eight thousand dollars. Eight thousand dollars. Yeah, you can say you can safely say that ninety percent of minor leagues make under ten thousand a year. Now, do do they like when you guys are out on the road in the minor leagues? Now, I want to get into favorite baseball movies before all said and done. But Bull Durham, um, how close 61. was like? Huh? Sixty one is the greatest. You, the sixty one. Oh, dude, I can I okay. Sixty one was was great, man. Um, Maris, that I mean that 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 was a great story. Um. The Jackie Robinson one that uh, Chadwick Bosman did as well too was amazing, uh, but like 
when you're talking about quotable baseball movies, there's none bigger than Bull Durham, though. I mean, all right. Now, Slade, I want to. So you you grew up in Texas, right? I grew up in Oklahoma and Texas. So I liked 61 because I was about 15 miles from Commerce, Oklahoma. And do you know who was from Commerce, Oklahoma? No. uh, Baseball trivia. Who? uh -uh. I was pretty good outfielder with stripes back in the day. Wait, wait, wait. Can you give me a team? Like what? 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 Yankees. Uh, Bernie He's Williams, sixty-one. Oh, oh, okay. we're talking sixty-one. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like, Mickey I, I Mantle. don't. Commerce Mickey. Cowboys. Now, can I, can I tell you an interesting story about Mickey Mantle? Um, I love. I have no my, stories about him. <laughs> my, uh, my, uh, high school baseball coach was Larry Jones Senior, Chipper's dad. Interesting. Uh, uh, up in Pearson, and uh, do you, do you realize that? Uh, Chipper's dad growing up, his favorite player was Mickey Mantle, and he wanted Chipper to be a switch hitter. And and it, it would just made sense, man. Um, do do the switch hitters get a little bit more respect in baseball, or is it kind of like, oh, they're just trying to show off? I don't think it's either. I think it's just, uh, there's so many guys that do it now that it's just part of. It. I mean, there's a lot of advantages now that. Mm, could be true and may not be true depending on how you look at data analytics and things of that nature. Um, so, the, I mean, baseball now gives switch hitters more opportunities, no question. Um, but, like, my career numbers were better off lefties minus minus home runs. But you were a lefty, average. right, though? Yeah. You're, you were a lefty. Now, um, thank God uh, Randy Johnson – Randy Johnson wasn't in the league still, like, when no. you were having the bat lefty, right? Because no. I heard, like, people – Managers would leave left-handed hitters out of the lineup when they had to face uh, like Andrew Randy Miller. Johnson, like yeah. facing an Andrew Miller. Who was who? Who? What pitcher had your number out of? I didn't have enough abs in the big leagues to have my number anywhere. Yeah. Um, who was the one guy? Who was the one guy? Like, oh my god, I wouldn't. Well, I mean, as a baseball player, you want you want to be tested, but who was uh, the one guy you were like? Ugh. What is his first name? Oliver. He was a pitcher with the Orioles, had a nasty split finger. He was probably the only pitcher. Now, I faced a lot of good pitchers that I thought, but mine was more so like where was I mentally, not where were they um, and who they were. So because when you get to the big leagues, you know what you, you have a pretty idea of what everybody's going to throw. It doesn't make it any easier. Um, but uh, Drake Oliver, I think, is his name. He was uh, still in the league now, nasty, weird, funky delivery. But I just I faced him three or four times in the minor leagues and once in the big leagues and wasn't wasn't good. All right. So you grew up, you were born in 1990, right? Was. OK, so I remember growing up this, the, you know, like I was one of those Generation X kids. Uh, the only, uh, it was before like the MLB ticket and stuff you could get. And the only games you could watch was either the Cubbies on WGN or the Braves on TBS. And when I was growing up, we didn't really have a Florida team yet. I mean, we had the Marlins, we didn't have the Rays yet, but I grew up as the biggest Braves fan. And I wanted to ask you this because you're, you, you made it to the big show. Uh, that rotation with the Braves in the 90s, I mean, was has there ever been a, a better rotation than that? 
if you look at data, they say, yeah, with spin rates and all that. And that's that's the problem with with data now and spin. rates. Are they getting too analytical, though, in baseball? Like, I mean, they they have like people love well, it. They do, though. But I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I just I, I you know, it's like it, everything is situational now. It, it just seems like they're pinning too much too much thought uh, into it. Why not just let your batter have faith in them? Get up there, grip it and rip it and 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 try to get the hit. Um, was it like that when you were playing? Players aren't humans. Players are a piece of meat that people want to choose and and pick and sway and figure out on their own and not look at what's actually going on. I didn't face a lefty my last three years of or two years of playing because that because the computer said lefty on lefty because of the overall number doesn't make sense for me. I didn't care facing a lefty. I didn't mind it whatsoever. Now you, you have imagine- specialists that are hard, but for yeah. the most part, I like I didn't mind lefties at all. Could you imagine back in the day, like you know, when like Ruth and all them were playing, been partying all night, uh, hung over as hell, getting up there and no, they were like, not "Oh, a game of baseball, nobody drinks in baseball." <laughs> and I we're we're gonna get to that now. I I want to talk about your early years, Slade. Um. Little League, how was that? And 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 then your high school career, and then what at at what point did you realize? All right, I got a little bit of a chance to be able to make it and and make a living out of playing that game for my life. I think I probably always believed it. Um, I think oh, I did too. I believed <laughs> it, but I wasn't good enough because I was a pitcher. And the thing is, is when you go to uh, these uh, tryouts for colleges and stuff like that, if you're not thrown in the 90s, they 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 don't even like look at you. Same they, now, if you're not throwing 95, they don't want you. But but then you look at pitchers like Maddox. Why why was Maddox so good at what he did? Because, because he didn't miss a spot. Yeah, it was Just he like that Mariana, good when when Mariano Vera was in his prime. It yeah. wasn't because of it, yes, his cutter was nasty, but he didn't miss a spot. Yeah, he didn't I miss see. a spot. I'd rather I'd rather throw a guy. I'd rather face a guy throwing a hundred miles. Maybe not now, but mm-hmm. when I was playing, I'd rather throw, face a guy throwing a hundred and may not have complete control than a guy that's throwing ninety two and can just put it Paint where they the corner. Yeah, yeah. Now. One of the things that I've always been debating, okay, and I, I want to get into the Hall of Fame stuff. Um, so these legends that you see, like Ruth, Maris, Mantle, uh, uh, all these great legends, how do you think they would fare against the guns that are in the, in, in the league right now? It's a total, I mean, you're, we're talking about two different baseball games, completely, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't even think it's comparable, right? Like, we over time have built up when I first started playing in 2009, I think the average fastball was like 90.6 miles an hour. The average mm-hmm. fastball in the MLB now has got in the last five years has gone up five, six miles an hour. It's, it's over 95 miles an hour for guys that are playing. Explain to people now. I, I, I don't think people believe it um, because, you know, I, the far farthest I made it was junior uh, community college baseball uh, pitching. Uh, getting in the batter's box and and somebody that can just really throw. Explain, like, people don't believe me. You can actually hear the threads of the ball cutting through the air, like, uh, as fast. And is is what is the re- reaction time like? Are you already swinging? Are you guessing? 
like explain to people a little bit uh, what it is like getting in that batter's box against major league pitching. Pretty, I'm pretty sure that whatever one of the science, uh, there was a TV show that always did like broke down like mm-hmm. sports feats, how fast they're running, right, and things of that nature. And they did a test on a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, and you have 0.14 seconds from the time it leaves the pitcher's hand to home plate. They also narrowed down that the last 30 feet of the, the travel of the ball, which is 60 feet from the pitcher's mound to home plate, you're really only you're only reacting and you're swinging on what you saw in the first 30 feet. So you're talking about 0.07 seconds-ish on an average fastball to decide swing, where is it located, what type of pitch is it. So you're talking, I mean, that's why you watch baseball players and they can go at least somewhat look like they are athletic on a football field or a, or a basketball court and things of that nature. You take people that haven't played baseball and you put them in the box and they have no chance, right? Like, it's just a different sport. Yeah, speaking of football, now let's go to your high school career. You uh you were also a football player as well too, correct? I was about 15 uh, pounds ago. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, um Chipper, he played, you know, because I I keep bringing him up because, you know, oh, the longest homer, I got to play in an alumni baseball game against him and he hit the longest bomb of all time off of me and it it wasn't even like cool. Like he was, you know, we were all using aluminum bats and like, he was like, nah, fuck that. I'm using my wood, went out there and like hit it over the driver's ed course and stuff. But what I'm trying to say is that, um, in high school, you know, there's so many of those studs you see that don't pan out. Like every like small town has that stud, like, but they always fuck up. Like, you know, there's other things, women, drugs, alcohol and stuff. I was there. Uh, yeah. Now, now let me ask you. So, you know, I get, I, I did a lot of prep off of Wikipedia junior year. True. Did you, did you get a G, uh, DUI your junior year of high yeah, school? So I was, uh, I went out to a party. The thing to do in Texcana was you go out to a field. Somebody had a field and have a bonfire and you drink and everybody camps out. So I went out on a Friday night. I was drinking. Um, I slept it. I we had a tent. I, I actually had a blow up air mattress in the back bed of my truck with like a makeshift tent that I would sleep in. Sounds so, like Volusia County to me, where I grew yeah, up. Yeah. 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 So I was out. I didn't leave, but I woke up at five o'clock to because I. So my my junior year, I was pretty much living out of my truck at that point. Um, Why? Why did your did the parents kick you out or like? Uh, I mean, so my dad got my dad got really mixed up into coke and meth, and I've been uh, about eighteen months ago, two years ago, uh, finally overdosed. Um, so he was going through that transition oh, of going to jail and and being in and out and my mom was going through divorce and that was your stepdad or your, your real dad. I don't know my real dad. Now, now, all right. This is one of the things I wanted to ask. Now you have your stepdad's last name, correct? I do. What was, was, was that your choice? Your mom? I was adopted adopted when I was like six months old, officially by Jeff Heathcott. How how and and what kind of dad was he? Because you know I'm going to get into the other question because everybody uh, wants to talk about you pulling a gun on him and stuff. Or now is that true? In uh, I mean, so well, well, I I mean I just listen. I I'm not judging or anything because I listen, I, honestly, I wouldn't care if you were. I've been judged by too many people in the world to care. Uh, so my uh, my dad was in and out of jails. My mother was trying to make ends meet. 
I didn't have a good relationship with her because of attitude and a lot of things. And, um, you know, I, I didn't want to live with her. She was still in town at that point. I had right before I went to Dallas, I left the party at, at 530 in the morning to go to work because I was working at the time mowing yards and I was speeding and I smelled like alcohol. So I got pulled over the next morning and got the DUI. Now, at what what age? And, and listen, I am now um, almost a year and a half so, sober. Like I, I've not drank anything. I, I was a big time drinker. If you if you ever listened to Bubba's show, it was it was a big wake up call. Um, I also got off of all the uh, psychotropic drugs. You know the mood stabilizing things. Yeah. Uh, I ended up spending ten days in a in a psych ward, and and that was my wake up call. Um, now later on, there I read about a story. You lost your passport from partying and stuff. Um, can you, it was, was that one of your wake up calls or, or what, what it was one of your wake up calls that was like, all right, I got to get my shit together. That was probably, I mean, that was probably the big one. I, we had went out and, uh, we had party the night before we were going to the Dominican Republic as a team. I got to the airport and my passport wasn't there. Now, were you with the Yankees at this time or, okay. What was this like spring training or no, just was, like, uh, this was like three months after I had signed that, that off season. I signed in August, September and like October, they sent a group of American players down to the Dominican Republic. And we were, out. Are, are the, are, are the Dominicans that good at baseball? Yes. Like I, I, I saw, I, I don't know if it was the Dominican, but it's just like, as a kid, they already like they put uh, I don't even know if you can call it a glove because some of the stuff that they would use for gloves were like cardboard. Yeah, uh, man, that is so crazy. Is is that why you see a lot of the D- Dominican players that are so good at fielding? I believe this past year, over 20 percent of starting rosters were from the Dominican Republic. And you're talking about an island of 10 million people. But wasn't it Cuba at one time? Wasn't wasn't Cuba like they have the, some they have some players, but not like the Dominican Republic. Man, that that's great. How how so? What was it like crazy in the Dominican Republic? Like, did did you get? I've been uh, twenty five times now. Yeah, I love the Dominican Republic. I do a lot of work down there. I work with the government. I work with a lot of kids down there, and one of my other nonprofits, Players for the Planet, does a lot of uh, beach cleanup efforts and things down in the Dominican Republic. So. Last year was the first year I haven't been in the DR since 2009. Now, Slade, I got I got to commend you because like you have turned it around. Like I got to tell you, man, yeah, especially with everything that I've gone through, um, I think you're uh, a little bit of an inspiration to a lot of people. You know, um, you know, normal people they think, oh, you know, the 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 celebrities, the athletes, and stuff, they have it perfect. Like everything is good. Uh, and for somebody that is a baseball fan or or just looking at somebody that has God gifted talent like yourself uh, has their demons, has to deal with stuff. And and I think you've probably helped out a lot of people that you don't even realize. I mean, that's the mission of more than baseball. It was titled more than baseball because players and athletes are more than what they are in a uniform. And guess what? We all, it doesn't matter if you're a baseball player. It doesn't matter if you're a celebrity. It doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom. It doesn't matter if you're a single dad. You, 
everybody has struggles. Everybody has things that they battle in life. And the problem is, is our society and the people that we're around make us think that it's a bad thing to have struggles. It's not. That's why we have each other. And the problem is we don't feel comfortable enough to tell people we have struggles. So we never yeah. come together to work on them. Um, a lot of these professional athletes, they get that big signing bonus. And now I read somewhere like your your uh, initial signing bonus was like for like two million dollars or such. Is, is that true? Well, was two. All right. So, yeah, two point two is what I read. But I, I was kind of rounding it out there. Now, a lot of these players, they get that big signing bonus and they want to help out. I'm sure they have a lot of friends that are coming out with their hands out. Hey, man, you know, like I, I got proud. Were you smart? Like, I, I'm sure you were. But there's also a lot of people that just blow through that initial like money that comes their way. Yeah, I mean, that's the difference between most people that sign that. Baseball is different. I made $6,600 my first year playing. All right. And I, I didn't make a, I didn't make over $8,000 until my fifth year of playing. So you're also talking about four years. You don't, and that also doesn't mean rent. That doesn't mean food. That doesn't mean cost. Luckily I was one of the ones that did get equipment for free, but 95% of minor leaguers do not half of big leaguers now do not get free. Equipment. Were you, were you, were you, were you sponsored by like Mizuno or any of those? I had Nike other... for a while. I had Under Armour yeah. for a while. I had Louisville. So yeah, I had sponsorships and things of that nature, but no, I mean, I was pretty smart. I went out and bought a really nice truck that I really wanted. Uh, my biggest, what'd you get? What'd you get? What, what, what kind of like, I had I... a F two fifty with a 10 inch lift, 40 inch <laughs> tires. I had like oh. power. Uh, but my biggest financial was my divorce. I mean, that really is what cost me the most. Yeah, dude. Um, I mean, luckily now, are you married right now? Or I am no? a fiance and I have yes. an amazing relationship with my ex-wife. So I'm really, really lucky. We get along really well. And it's, it actually is, it's awesome. What, what, what is life on the road? Like, I, I know you're in, in a great relationship right now and, and we're not talking about you, but like, what is life on the road like in, in playing baseball, even in the minor leagues? Uh, you know, like, are there just ladies just lined up wanting to meet the player stuff? Because I mean, I got to tell you, I've seen your stable of people <laughs> that you've been with. And I got to tell you, pretty nice, buddy. Great, great work. But but what I'm trying to say, what what is life like on the road? Because, you know, a lot of people, 162 games, half of that is on the road. Uh, is it tiresome sometimes or or is it a big party? It's a mix of everything. Sometimes it's a party for the most part, especially in baseball. Like you have partiers, you have fun, like. I was probably in the middle. I, I believe like if not you like for me, if, if if I went home every single day and I didn't go out and hang out or I didn't get away, the game eats you alive. You play it every single day. Right. And you, you got to have escapes. That's why some guys are big gamers. Right. Uh, yeah. And that's why you see so many guys drinking and, and partying is it is. It's a long year and you're always on the road. You're on buses. You're in cities. You don't know. You're living out of a hotel room. You're. I mean, you add all these pieces together and yeah, guys want to get out and relax. Not only that, like the game is frustrating. Like it, it's unlike any other game you fail. If you fail seven out of 10 times, you're a hall of famer, right? So you have to be able to handle failure at a different level. And, and the way you handle failure at a different level is yes, you address it. But sometimes the answer is just to get away and relax and have fun. And through a long course of season. Yeah. You have mixtures. You have guys that are 
ladies are all over. You have guys that are married and have their kids there and kids are running around the clubhouse. And it just depends. Every team is different. Every situation is different. There's partying. There's not partying. There's having fun. There's gambling. There's, I mean, you name it. It's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a different lifestyle. Late. And and Slade Heathcott is on with me right now. Slade, uh, I really appreciate you coming on with me. But I want to ask you, uh, next question, who, in your opinion, is the best player you've ever been on a team with? Like, or best player? Aaron Judge? Derek Jeter. Oh, Derek Jeter. Now, Derek, see, Derek Jeter is one of those guys that you never heard it really anything bad about him. Like, I mean, he was that clean cut. You know, just the guy that never got in the trouble, but he was Mr. Clutch, though. Like some of the hits that he would get in timely fashion. Um, He's the greatest ambassador for the game of baseball. Why? What? Give me, give me an idea of like He's why. The most just consistent person I've ever met in my life. I was yeah. locker mates with him for two years, and zero for four, zero for 40, 40 for forty. The guy stopped and gave his time to every guy that asked him, every every minor leaguer, every rookie, every press member, fans. Like the guy was just exemplary in every way. I think the only thing that he's lacking, and you see Tom Brady starting to do it now, is yeah. Peter didn't capitalize on a brand. Like he built a brand because of his name. He didn't mm-hmm. he didn't grow it to what it could have been if he had been on social media and leveraging platforms that bring fans closer to the game. He was very reserved and that was his lifestyle, but he didn't need to make more money. Right. Like, yeah. Now when you're, when you're the new guy coming into the club and stuff, I know, I know on the high school level, then the, the rook, they always got messed with like, were, were there any things like, do you go up and talk to a Derek Jeter on the team or do, or would that be like out of the question? Like, I, I mean, like I, it depends on the day. Oh, it does. Peter, yeah, you could go up to any day. Mariana, Dylan Batanzas, CC. There's other guys that you have to pick their times and and just know that they have a space. Some guys have like well, some guys when they get to the field, they're all business and they're ready to go and they have a routine and they don't want people to mess with them. So just depends on it. Just depends on the team. Do you uh, did you ever have a chance to meet David Wells? I I, I don't know. He probably wasn't on the team. Uh, no, I, went on the team. I, I met him briefly in spring training a couple of times. Um, is the myth true? I I've heard this. Was he out partying the night before that perfect game? Has anybody ever like give you the inside? I don't think it's a mystery. There's an E60 on it. And he talks about how messed up he was. Oh, he does. Okay, I I did not see that yeah. man. And and it was fitting because didn't he wear like uh I like thirty three or something I think at the time because like he was a big Babe Ruth fan, um yeah. and uh, I think that numbers were retired now. All right, so your playing career you had a lot of injuries and stuff. Um, why why was that? Just freak accidents or or maybe not not like paying close enough attention to your body uh, because you had some knee problems and stuff. Uh, what, what were the causes of that? Just, just bad luck or. Make sure of a lot of things. It damn, it damn sure wasn't from not trying or not working out or having a best diet or looking at sleeping plans or looking at cortisol levels and bio and chemical makeup and bloodstream. And look, if you name it and there's out there, I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, the last three years of my career, I, I took my contract in my own hands and every team I signed with, I was allowed to do my program. 
I had seven surgeries or six surgeries due to the game. And mm. all six happened off the field. And it was from training that I was told to do. And the last part of my career, I refused to do that. I wanted my own program and I never had another injury. Um, on, on the line with me right now is Slade Heathcott. Um, now let's talk about this. So you go into flying. What, why, what, what, what get, got you or bit you with the flying bug? Because to be a pilot, I mean, that, that is a lot of pressure. You would think, you know, I, I could see one thing getting up into the batter's box. That is a pressure filled thing. But if you're a pilot, uh, you, you, you actually commercial pilot, correct? Like flying people and stuff. I can. Now, now, but that's got to be a lot of pressure, though, right? I mean, those people in your plane are putting their lives in your hand. I know more people die in car accidents and stuff like that, but you are responsible for those people. Uh, is it? I mean, the first, I don't know, man. Like, I would everything be scared to death. Right. Like, everything's a calculated risk. And the more you prepare for something, the more that you're ready for it. And I'm prepared. I know flying. I'm, I'm, I would safely say I'm a good pilot. I have put myself. Have you had any close calls? Like, of like we're, yeah. Like, give me, give me an example. Like, flying uh, through there. Believe it or not, like planes fly a lot closer to people than they think, especially general aviation. I've had planes fly underneath me, but I've also taken a different route. I've done all off field landings. I've flown warbirds. I've done aerobatics. I've done low altitude flying. I've wow. done Canadian flying. I've, I've been through four or five emergency courses to prepare yourself for things of that nature. Like I've landed on plateaus in the middle of Colorado at 10,000 feet when they're not a runway. Mm -hmm. So like, I've just, I've prepared myself as a pilot and I've been flying since 2012. Man, so no, it's I, I take my son. I, 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 I saw a video, you know, when you're looking up in the air and seeing a plane, like in the sky, it it really doesn't look like it's moving that fast. And, you know, I, I was watching a random video on TikTok and somebody was like taking a picture out of the cockpit and there was another commercial liner that was, you know, in close distance. And when you're close up, man, it blew my mind how fast these planes are actually moving. Because when you look up in the air, they don't look like they're moving that fast. No, I mean, your, I mean, your average airliner is around 450, 500 miles an hour, depending on winds. And so, yeah, I mean, you're booking it. The planes I fly, like probably the 330 extra is probably the fastest plane I've flown or maybe the, so somewhere between 160, 200 miles and 200 knots. I mean, so you, you're talking about planes that fly a lot faster than that. Man, um, you know, working in radio, one of the uh, best interviews, one of the nicest guys I read, John Travolta, you know, he uh, lived here in the Port Port Orange area at the Spruce Creek fly-in here. And his jets and his planes started getting so big, they were like, hey, man, you got to get out of here. And I think he got ended a, up building a runway about an hour and a half northeast of here called Jumbo Air. Yeah, no, but yeah, he is a big, not a lot of people realize that. Like he is a big time yeah. plane flyer. He, he absolutely loves it. Now let's, uh, let's move on. I'm, I want to get your opinion on some stuff. I, uh, now I, I could be wrong. I don't think that they put any players into the baseball hall of fame again this year. I think that's happened a couple of times recently. 
Yeah, I'm not 100. I haven't even, to be honest with you, I haven't even paid attention. I, I saw the old Barry Bonds deal and him not getting in. Uh, but what I, do you think about that? What, I, because that that was my question, okay? Um, you know, the the players during the steroid era, at the time, we really did not know what was going on. You know, we, we had just had that strike in the 90s. Baseball's uh, image was kind of hurting. And then you had this home run battle between Sosa and McGuire. And little did we know that <laughs> everybody was juiced up. Uh, are, do those players make the Hall of Fame? Because I think it is criminal that those players would make it before Pete Rose. I, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. No, I mean, a Pete Rose thing, I mean... <laughs> especially with his story, depending, like I can understand if you're betting against team and betting. Period. But he never did though. Did he, I, he never bet against his team. He always bet. He bet, he bet for himself always. It wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a good thing? Like you, I mean, the manager has got money riding on the game. Like, of course he wants to win it. I mean, I think that's kind of incentive in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get it. Like we shouldn't, we can't have gambling. It's just too, no, much no, no. Deal, right. But no, I mean, like, Look, the steroid era, like, if it was my opinion, they would regulate it. They would allow everybody to take something because it, it for MLB to say that they want to stop people from taking it is BS because all you have to do to stop somebody is say, okay, if you test positive, you're never going to sign a long-term deal. You have to play one-year careers your entire life, and you can't get paid over minimum. Yeah. Uh, did you uh, watch uh, the another guest that we had on the show all the time is uh, Billy Corbin. And he recently did that documentary called Screwball yeah. uh, that featured A-Rod. Did, did you play with A-Rod? I did. What kind of guy was he? Because... Than uh, people think. Well, no, I mean, in, in the documentary, they were, like, making a big deal about the uh, centaur painting he has in his yeah. apartment. It's it's him as a centaur. And I was like, you know what? That's pretty goddamn cool. I mean, it's cool. I know that a lot of people think it might be egotistical, but uh, I think um, I think for people that say that they one, they need to have more going on in their life, so they quit worrying about stuff like that. And two, that's just Alex. Alex likes Alex. And there's you know there's there's a period where that's good. There's a period where it's bad. But like, why do we spend so much time worried about who people are? And why don't we just accept them? Alex is a yeah. great. Alex, Alex would knock on my door and have a bottle of wine or take a bunch of Joe rookies out to dinner. Like he's extremely intelligent. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I mean the guy, I mean, he played down, I think uh, Miami, what was that uh, high school? That, that school was a stud. They were winning the Florida state uh, championship every single year. Didn't, didn't your team, your baseball high school team win the state champion? We did. How, how was it playing baseball? Because Texas is known for their football. football. Everybody, was, football, uh, football, I football. Was a football player. So I was a 50% commit to LSU for a tailback and then outfielder pitcher for the baseball. So I was 50-50. Man, LSU, dude, I think one of the best college World Series game, that game against LSU and Miami where that kid hit that, that walk-off, and I want to get to that. The reason I'm bringing that up, and then I'm glad. Thank you very much for the segue there, Slade. But uh, um, that kid, do you remember? I forget his name. The kid that hit the walk off home I run. I do not watch baseball at all. Oh, you you do not. Do not. Yeah, I, there's a lot of people I hear that from. Like they love playing the game, 
but they don't like watching it. Is, is it the reason you don't want to watch it is because you miss it or you overanalyze it or you'd be like, I would do this. I do that. Or, I or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't enjoy watching. I never have. Have you ever thought about getting into coaching? I, no interest? I, I do a lot of youth camps. I like, I don't, I wouldn't want to coach. I wouldn't want to coach at the professional level. How is it for coaches to deal with, you know, everybody talks, you, you see a lot of college coaches, amazing, legendary coaches, and they just can't hack it in the pros. Is it because having to deal with the egos, having to, to uh, manage players that are making millions and millions of dollars? Well, I mean, it's, there's a, there's an art to it, right? And at college, you're, you're basically an authoritative figure. Right. When you hit professional ball, you're no longer an authoritative figure in all reality. You're not. Mm-hmm. You're actually working for the players in all reality. That's the difference. In, in college, you're there to get a scholarship underneath the coach. At professional level, you're there to help that player get to the big leagues. Right. Like it's not about it's, it's not about it. It's it's more about what, what would be a good way to put it. it, it you're I mean, it is. It's exactly if you're if you're at the college level you are an authoritative figure. If you're a manager for the MLB team and you have A-Rod and you have Jeter and right when we were doing that, yeah, they have somewhat of an authority, but it's more of a a respect-based game. And at college, it's not respect-based, it's fear-based. Did you ever have a coach that really busted your balls? Of course I did. (laughs) I remember, because I made the varsity team as a freshman playing baseball and I was excited. I was like, yes, the coach is out there hitting the fungo bat around and everything. And I'm like, all right, coach, where do you want me at? And he pointed over. He said he pointed to the dugout and he's like, uh, go sit on that bench because that's where you're going to be at all fucking year. And I'm like, all right, cool. But I got to tell you, it fueled me. It, it fueled me. And and the first game that I was able to pitch my freshman year, uh, this is how much of a dick he was. He already had. Somebody warming up in the bullpen before he even threw my first pitch of the game. Uh, ended up winning because I was like, you know what? You got that guy already warming up in the bullpen. That is so disrespectful. And it, it just made me try harder. So sometimes I think those coaches, even though they bust balls, they're just trying to motivate you. I, I think that we in society, like we avoid failure for some reason, especially with our youth. And I think it's a detriment to society. Why are we stopping our youth from failing? Why, how do you think people got to where they are now? They failed and they learned, they failed and they learned, they fell down and they got back up and they took, kept stepping. All we're doing by creating a society where kids don't face failure and everybody wins is we're telling everybody that they can do and should do anything and everything they want. That's just not the reality of life. We, 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 we do things, right? Like sports are great for youth and we, we build teamwork and, and leadership and discipline and all these things and, and we face failure. But now all these leagues, everybody wins, right? So no kid ever sees a failure and doesn't ever have a failure. And now he so gets everybody a- gets a trophy, you know, like, I, I mean, I, I get it. And, and I got to tell you, like, um, you know, my dad was my high school, like, or not high school, but uh, senior league baseball team. And we used to play the best team in, in the county. And we got our ass beat every single weekend uh, playing scrimmage games. But guess what? Those, came, those games kept getting closer and closer and closer every single week. Yes, we were getting embarrassed uh, right off the beginning. But guess what? Playing against better competition, losing, 
actually help, in my opinion. I, I think it does. Well, and, and if you don't ever, the problem is, is failure is an event, not a person. And when we rob kids from the ability to fail, they immediately associate failure with themselves because it's a big deal. It hasn't happened, right? It doesn't happen all the time. So now that kids at a young age, at an impressionable age, are hearing that like, it's okay, everybody wins. And then they face failure. And it's like, for the first time, their eyes are big. And they're like, Oh, my God, I just failed. Well, it doesn't matter. Just keep going. But now you have kids that never have failed their entire life, and then get to high school and start facing the realities of life. And that's why our suicide rates are the way. That's why we have kids bringing guns to school. That's why failure is not a bad thing. And that's the biggest thing I try to teach across the country is failure is a good thing. Um, what would you tell kids that, you know, like, you know, everybody's dealing and, and I want to talk a little bit about how you have been living through uh, a pandemic world. Like where, where are you living at? Uh, in I'm in Tampa. You're in Tampa. Okay. So now, I mean, I've been to Tampa a couple of times and, you know, like I believe in freedoms and stuff. And, and I just feel like sometimes us as Americans have become kind of selfish, but we also have a lot of freedoms. I, I compare it back to like World War II. Everybody did their part uh, to fight the Nazis and stuff. And and why has wearing a mask become like just such a political statement? Yes, we are good with that. How has it been going through this pandemic right now? Like, because it's put a lot of people on edge, in my opinion. I mean, it hasn't, I wouldn't say it's put, it's created challenges. I had to rebuild everything I designed for two years, but so many people did. And yes, I had family members pass away and I've had friends get sick. I had COVID a a month ago and I got it outside golfing of all places. Wow. Um, So what's your handicap uh, golfing there? You, you a big golfer? No, I'm not good, but I enjoy it. But I also, uh, I have a fiance now because of COVID. I have things of that nature that I would have never how, had. How does that work? Like, uh, how, how, how did you, you know, meet her because of COVID? It wasn't really meeting her. We were already talking and together, but she lives. So we, I live half the time in Brooklyn and half the time here now. And she mm-hmm. lives in Brooklyn. But when COVID hit, she moved to Florida. And we, in January, we've now been living together for 13 months. And not a question in my mind. So that is without, awesome, without COVID, we would have never moved it in together and we wouldn't be engaged right now. Uh, going to, are you going to go to any of the uh, Super Bowl festivities or I like, decided, uh, yeah, I've got a lot of work to do and, and working. I had a new job kind of what I want to do kind of come open. So I'm working on some getting that all together. So I have a lot of work, so I'll do something, but it won't be, I'll be at the house for the next couple of days. Man, how 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 much of bad luck has Tampa had this year? And and I'm gonna wrap it up. I I don't want to take up too much of your time, but man, Tampa has just like I mean, you had the Rays make the World Series, didn't get any World Series games in Tampa. Uh, the Lightning, the Lightning made it. They won the Stanley Cup, and now the Bucks, one of the first NFL teams ever, the first NFL team to play at home in a Super Bowl. Man, they. they it's good luck and bad luck. Well, Tampa people probably wouldn't like me saying this, but I've played enough professional sports and been in enough professional games that if you were truly fans, you'd be there when it's not going good. Yeah. What, 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 in your opinion, why, what, what is the problem? Too many trans people that live in Tampa. It, it, but is it because the stadium, the Rays in St. Pete, you, yeah, you really do? Stadium. It's awful. Uh, 
And and I was also reading an article um why the surrounding communities in St. Pete do not go to the games. Didn't realize how much gentrification happened when they built that original stadium there. A lot of people were moved out of their like intimate domain type deal and moved and and everybody had a bad taste in their mouth. But there are so many places like in, in the Tampa area that you could build it right there. Well, and it would been, be Ebor has been the target for the last couple of years, but the city council won't let it go. They've been wanting yeah. to build a stadium uh, over on 60 in Ebor for three or four years now. I'm thinking out by the amphitheater. I, I think I think you could get some uh, some traction there as well, too. You know, right there by the, the casino and stuff and the amphitheater. I don't know, like uh, Ebor just seems like it would just be like way too busy parking, all that stuff. But people just don't want to go across that bridge to go to St. Pete. I I just think it would it's be so much drive. easier. It's an hour uh, drive to St. Pete game. What what airport do you fly out of when you go out of Tampa? Uh, Peter or Knight normally. Yeah, like when I'm you ever... flying or when I fly, fly. Yeah, or uh, when you fly, like when you fly, you like when you're piloting. Yeah, Peter or Knight a lot of times. Yeah. Um, uh, when I worked on Bubba's show, uh, Blitz, who is the engineer, he is a big aeronautical guy. And uh, did, they had an Antov out there at the uh, Tampa Bay airport. Uh, yeah. uh, did you, have, you, have you ever seen one of those up close? They're, I mean, they are I've massive. Got a that renovates, uh, renovates older planes. And I've seen stuff from him sending to it and just seen it in pictures. But no, I've never seen I know that they're, I mean, I've, I've seen C-18s and things like that, so I know it's supposed to be gigantic. One last question. Dream plane to fly and PC why? 12. I want to buy right. a PC-12. And now, is, I mean, is that like a single prop or it has got prop Single on both engine, sides? Turbo prop, luxury jet, 12, 1600-mile nautical range, 10,000 payload, super efficient in terms of costs and fits six to eight people. I got to tell you, you got, there's this one guy that I follow that is a private pilot. You know, he picks up, you know, people and his TikTok feed is blowing up because I'm sure, you know, TikTok. No, but I'm, I mean, listen, I hate social media. The only reason that I'm even on it is because of what I'm doing to promote stuff. But Slade, man, I, I'm sorry to geek out about baseball and stuff. I wanted to talk to people. Um, um, how long have you been sober now? Right now, oh, I'm. I still, I, I still drink a little bit, but you got it under. Uh, I see. I, I've never been that type of person. Like I am a it's true. Yeah, I am a. I am like people's like. Oh, why can't you just have a few? And I'm like, I just can't do it because the way my mind works. Like if I have two beers, I'm like, all right, if two's making me feel this good. What is four going to make me feel like? And, and it's like right. you always just keep going and going and going. Oh, excuse me. Um, yeah, no, no, I mean, all right. No, um, no, I, I've, I've, my issues has never been like that. I, I, I went from a high school town and that's all we did to a town that was bigger and it seemed like it was normal and I did need help and did need to get under control. But no, it's not something that I'm ever worried about. Man, you you bring up a great point. Small towns, like there are a lot of people that drink because like I remember when I was a teenager, I could always get somebody in the neighbor or the community be like, hey, man, we'll throw you some money. Can you buy some beer or whatever? Like starting yeah. at a young age because there's nothing to do. Well, Slade, 
I appreciate this, man. I, I hope uh, you enjoyed this interview. And I want to have you on. If there's any uh, fundraisers or, or, or events that you're doing, uh, you have my phone number. Reach out anytime. I would love to help you promote. Uh, and like I said, man, I tried to get you on Bubba's show as much as I could. But I got to tell you, this is one of the best interesting interviews that I've done since I've started this because you're open, you're honest, you talk about your your past. And and I think that's great because a lot of people want to hide from it. Yeah. And, you know, like I uh, tried to harm myself before I, I left Bubba's show. And a lot of people are like, why did you talk about that? I, I, I talked about you it. Did talk about it. Because I was like, well, for one, I wanted to hold myself responsible. And two, if there was somebody in the audience that was going through what I was going through, maybe I could help them. Yep. That's what it's about. Well, Slade, man, uh, I appreciate your time. Uh, And like I said, reach out to me anytime uh, if you need anything at all. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you.